gentlemen, surprise, surprise, shock and horror. The NES Classic is coming back. <laughs> Again? Oh, yeah, the one, the <laughs> wonderful like, Nintendo. Like, I mean, what is Nintendo doing? Uh, Everything. Have, having a laugh with the supply chain. <laughs> They've just realized that people want these consoles. Like, couldn't have they made this decision like last year? It is weird that they're bringing the NES Classic back as well as just saying they're going to extend SNES sales. Like, the SNES sales extension, I get. Right, the idea that they're saying, oh, we were only going to sell it for the holiday season, but the SNES, we're going to sell it for longer, right? So it's like, everyone's like, yay, that would have been great news. But then bringing back the NES Classic is like, everyone's moved on now. Like, we've all we've all moved on from this. We couldn't get it, or we got it, and then that's it. But they're like, nope, we're bringing that one back, and then we're bringing the other one out. I am like, especially with the first piece of news from the Nintendo Direct, which I'll just say real quick, which is that they're bringing out a game called Arcade Classics, where it's like a bunch Mm -hmm. of old 1980s arcade games that have been like, that they're all slightly different to what came out on the NES because they were in arcades. A lot of them are versus games, like versus Super Mario Bros., versus Balloon Fight, versus Ice Climber. Like, there's a bunch of them. Which is coming out at the end of September. So the NES Classic coming back, plus the SNES Classic, plus this, I think only further underscores the point that there is no virtual console for a, a very long time at least. I just don't think they're going to bring the virtual console to the Switch. I really don't. It's more trouble than it's worth. All signs are pointing to Nintendo preferring to make money this way rather than building a service, which is kind of strange because it seemed to me like they were almost on the verge of understanding how the internet works. And so to me, the new Nintendo was like, of course, they're going to do the virtual console done right. They're going to have like a Netflix for old games. And, you know, the, 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 star, the stars were almost aligned. We're going to get some of it, though, right? Like when when the online service, which should be soon, like there's there is still some... SNES games, whatever, they're going to be coming to that. I honestly think that they have just decided that they want to focus on new games on the Switch and that the old Virtual Console stuff is just going to stick to wherever it is. Because even these arcade classics, this is stuff they've never released before, right? Like, I know they're old games, but they're like, these these are things that I don't think were ever on the Virtual Console. I think they're taking a different tact right now, which I'm mostly fine with because... I wanted the virtual console way more when I only had Zelda. But now there are a bunch of games and there are a ton more new games coming out over the next few months and next year or two or whatever. Uh that I'm I don't I'm fine. It doesn't bother me anymore. I'm like I'm good. I can, I I will get my SNES and I can play Super Mario Bros on my little SNES classic which comes out like in a couple of days or something, right? Like it's real soon. Um yeah, I'm I'm fine. I'm totally fine with it. I think it's in like in about seven days, nine days. I have a pre-order on Amazon and also on, with my video game store friend. Yeah, I should probably guy. cancel one of those. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm trying to pull a mic here. There's really no no point for me to Next do Friday, this. Next Friday, twenty ninth. Well, yeah, it's like seven days basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know why I have two mic. Honestly, like I I was in a state of. You know, I was working on my ISM review and I was all, I don't have time for this. I should just maybe put in two, two pre-orders. I called my guy and I also put one on Amazon, but there's really no point for me to have one, to have multiple SNESs coming coming over. So yeah, um, thank you for reminding me to cancel <laughs> one of those. 
Oh. I'll do what I can. Yeah, if you're going to do it like Mike, you'd do three, though, wouldn't you? Yeah, you've got to go for yeah, one. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> At this point, I mean, why not three? <laughs> um, so tell me, Mike, tell me, um, during the Nintendo Direct, uh, I think it was last week, um, obviously I couldn't follow the Direct. I was rushing to finish all the things that I had prepared for uh, iOS 11. But I saw that the... The pro the, the game with the crazy name, the Project Octopath Traveler. Yeah, that's just from, the working title. Like that's not the that's not going to be the name of the so game. So bad. I mean, it's a bad working title. <laughs> what yeah, does it even I mean, what does it well, even mean? Okay, so the Octopath Traveler, right? So like, if you just break that down to its component parts, there are eight characters that you can play through. So there's the Octo. And then you are traveling the paths of these characters. This feels like something it's got lost somewhere in translation, I think. But like when you break it down, you can see how they at least got to the name. I am not a big RPG person in general. Oh, um, oh really? I, it's just okay. not. It's just not my 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 general bag. Like you know, like this kind of strat, just like real, like I don't know what you call it, like a turn based JRPG type yeah. thing. Yeah. But. I am very interested in Octopath Traveler because of the graphic style that it has, which I've never seen before, mostly because Square Enix has created this new thing that they are calling 2D HD, where yeah. it's all lit very beautifully. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of really interesting lighting effects in a 2D kind of 16-bit world, but the characters can move in 3D space. So like it's like a 3D model made out of 2D textures. It's really interesting looking. Um, and, and that intrigues me. There's a demo available, I believe, right now, which I haven't tried out yet. Um, but I'm my interest is peaked at this one just because it, it looks to be quite attractive. Plus, you know, it seems to be pretty advanced, like the characters that they're creating, all the characters have their own set of specific skills and stuff like that. Like it is an interesting it's an interesting looking game, I think. Yeah, this is from the Bravely Default developers. So the, the reason that I'm excited about this game, I mean besides the the funny name is um these developers, this uh this studio has proven in the past that they're able to innovate on the uh JRPG genre. They they you know, with Bravely Default, they sort of they reimagine the way that, for example, mm-hmm. random battles are managed by the game and the job system, uh, even the story. I mean, it was controversial, but at least you could appreciate the, the innovation in that space. And so, I'm really, I'm really curious to see what they what they've done in a, And I'm gonna download the demo from the eShop. The graphics seem to be like another another innovation from this company. It looks very beautiful, and I was looking at the screenshots of the map and the screenshots of like when you when you uh, visit the towns and the villages. It looks amazing. So um, I don't know how it'll play, but I've seen some positive comments from Kotaku and others. Um, doesn't surprise me because these you know these folks they know how to rejuvenate uh, this this sort of game. So I'm really I'm really curious to to check this out. So, as well as this, there has been some, I think, really, really exciting news. We spoke about L.A. Noire recently, you know, and about how, like, oh, this is really good, like, Rockstar getting on board. Well, uh, Bethesda are continuing to show their commitment to the Switch by, first, this holiday season, they're bringing Doom 
So twenty is it twenty seventeen or is it twenty sixteen? Twenty sixteen maybe. Yeah, I think it was like twenty sixteen game of the year in a bunch of different places. Uh, Doom is going to be coming on the Switch. That is this year, and then next year they are bringing Wolfenstein Two, which is a game mm. that is coming out in October on Xbox One, PlayStation Four, and PC. It's going to be coming out in twenty eighteen at some point on the Nintendo Switch. It is kicking off now, right? Like this is Steam is picking up on this one. Like it is the Switch is getting to a place where developers are taking increasing risks, right? Like they're pushing further and further in a way that I'm not sure we would have been able to predict. And there has been some um I don't really think embargo as such, but there has been there's been some press events that Bethesda has been doing for Doom, and a bunch of articles dropped today. And the overall, like, I'm going to put one in uh, the show notes from Chris Grant at Polygon. The overall feeling about Doom is that it feels like Doom, and there are you know there are problems like apparently that like, the Joy Cons are not as great to use in this game, but the Pro Controller feels awesome for it. It's great. But that everybody's just saying that, yeah, this feels like a Doom game. It feels like the game that we know that was on the Xbox and PlayStation 4. Now it's on the Nintendo Switch. And coupling this with a huge like third-party title, Wolfenstein 2, which people seem to be very excited about, coming uh, hopefully just a few months after it comes out on PlayStation 4 and Xbox. Like, I'm honestly expecting... That there will be games from big third-party developers that are in development now that we're, you know, that we're maybe going to hear about later on this year, maybe at E3, and they put all of these three consoles on the slide as equal billing, right? Like it's going to come to all three of them. This is how it feels to me now. Like there, these companies are taking increasing bets and they're putting more and more capable, more powerful games on this system. That I'm starting to think that. Nintendo's going to find its way onto these posters pretty soon. How do you feel about the following two things, guys? The first is that, yeah, there are some really top-flight games previously associated with hardcore consoles like Mm -hmm. PlayStation 4 and Xbox One coming to Switch. And the second thing is that they're coming later. How do you feel about those two things? And actually, let's make it three. Make it a nice round three. And the third thing is, what do you think that does to the positioning of the Switch, given that the typical Nintendo fan has always expected a certain spectrum or style of game, and this goes beyond that? I actually think I can answer all of those questions with the same, with pretty much the same answer, which is... I thought you might say that. I my feeling is and I think it's one of the reasons this is happening is that everybody that is into the switch in a big way comes away with saying I wish all of my games were on this thing because the console the benefits the console has makes you want all of your games on it and you'll accept lesser quality in some instances whether it's graphical or frame rate like you're willing to accept it because the benefits of this console outweigh the negatives significantly and i think that is a thing that to answer your third point i think that people that that like this console they're going to be totally cool with it even though they've expected something regular from nintendo they're still going to get that right and we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, mario odyssey in a minute like you're still going to get those games but also all the other stuff so you don't have to feel like you're missing out um, so I'm excited about it from that perspective. The fact that the games are coming later, 
So there are going to be some games... Like, if this continues to be a trend, like, if the trend will just be that, like, it comes to Switch a few months later, right? Like, how sometimes and very frequently games come to the PC a little bit later because they have different challenges and and a lot of developers want to optimize for that. There will be some games where I want them that badly that I will buy them for the PlayStation and will play them on PlayStation. But for most of them, I will be happy to wait. So something like Wolfenstein 2, I'm excited for that game, but I'm not desperate for that game. So I will wait to get it, um, most likely, is, is my feeling right now. Like I will be wait- I'll just wait until it comes out on the Switch. But there may be some other titles where I'm like, I want to play this, and I believe that like the four months difference that it's going to be, like I know I'll play it and complete it on the PlayStation. So like I'm cool with it. I'll get it. But I feel like that is that that feeling is becoming fewer like further between now, where I will choose or will be like, oh, you know, I I want to get this. I want to like get this game immediately. But no, I'm I'm more than happy to wait for a lot of stuff. Yeah, that that basically mirrors my my feelings too. Like if I know a game is coming to Switch eventually, I'm probably not gonna gonna play the game right now. For example, uh, Mike the other day sent a link in our iMessage thread with a link to Thimbleweed Park, which is now available on 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 iOS. And I know the game is also coming to to Switch. And I've resisted uh, buying the game on the App Store because I know it's coming to the Switch. And even though the you know the iPhone and the iPad, are, of course, they're always with me and they are as mobile and possibly even more portable than the Switch. I prefer playing these kinds of games on the Switch because of the controls, because it's a, an actual console. There are no notifications and such distracting me. And so I'm, I'm seeing this every day with, you know, even with ports and with games that uh, it's not like it's a big exclusive like Uncharted 4 and I know it's just on PlayStation, so I have to buy it there. But even if there's just... Uh, just a, even a tiny opportunity of knowing that the game will be on Switch eventually, I'm probably resisting the purchase right now. Just because I'm so in love with the console and, and I want to have everything on it. So I don't I don't feel particularly upset about the fact that these games are coming later. If anything, I see some kind of even anticipation in, in it. I don't know. Um, um, maybe, you know, if, if Rockstar says... We're doing GTA 6, and it's going to be on every console. And it's coming out, I don't know, let's say in September. But the Switch is coming out in October or in in December. So for a brand new game, probably I'm going to be annoyed. But also knowing that the Switch will get all of these games eventually, that still makes me feel, feel good about the console. I have some good news for you. Uh, that Thimbleweed Park came out today on Switch. Oh, it's today? It's today, yeah. Okay, well then, I ha- looks like I have a backlog that consists of um, the Rabbits game, which I haven't played enough, and uh, Metroid on 3DS, which I got the other day, Timberweed Park, and Steamworld Dig 2, which also comes out today on the mm-hmm. eShop. So, nice. Okay, all Some right. Some relaxation time. Mario and Rabbits yeah. is so good, by the way. I've been thoroughly enjoying that game. Yeah, I need to play more. And there's Mario and Luigi, but Bowser's Minions is coming on October 6th. Uh, so yeah, it's a fun season. Yeah, that's a remake of the original, uh, the original Superstar Saga, yes. right? N- yeah, Superstar Saga for the GBA, mm-hmm. uh, which I absolutely loved. Such a great uh, game. Yeah, yeah. 
And then the Mario Odyssey trailer. Have you have both of you seen the Mario Odyssey trailer, the new extended trailer? So oh, I've, yeah. I've been trying to stay away from trailers and gameplay footage because I'm at the point where no more spoilers, like Zelda. Okay. So tell tell me without spoiling too much, maybe. It looks really good. Okay. <laughs> I want it. Yeah. It looks really, really good. It's like, so they showed a combination of like trailer and gameplay footage. It's like seven and a half minutes, right? Like it's it's not mm. like a trailer trailer. It was like part of the direct, right? Um, They showed more information. They showed some of the more of the worlds that we've seen before. There are more worlds to come. I'm desperate for this game. I can't wait. And Shade, you, 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 you're sitting in the background shouting that you want it. It's a surprise. Well, I pre-ordered it a few few weeks back. <laughs> Mario never yeah. dies, man. No, you're right. I'm very excited for this game. It feels like a, a new take. It feels like that they're really pushing it. A lot of people are, com- are comparing it to Mario 64. In you know, yeah, that's that's the feeling I got from it as well, and that's that's why I'm kind of okay with it. Interestingly, the reason I'm excited about it is because. Um, my my older kids are kind of they're already getting nostalgic about stuff they used to play mm-hmm. as kids, and Super Mario sixty four was one of those games. So I'm kind of getting it to see what their reaction would be, because they also got the um, uh, Crash Bandicoot series on PS four, the remastered stuff, mm-hmm. and relived their childhood that way. And when I looked at the trailer, I thought, yeah, this this has got it. It's got that magic from the original. And it's taken it a lot further. The mechanics are deeper. It just seems like there's a whole lot more to do. The The worlds are absolutely beautiful. You know, it, it's like the, the original principle of Mario coming into clearer and clearer detail. I think we were all misled early on by thinking this is going to be Mario in a kind of you know, GTA environment, you know? <laughs> yeah. New York yeah. City, baby. <laughs> I know, it was really weird, right? And that's the impression I came up with. I thought, well, I'm going to give it a chance because it's Mario. They always try new stuff with Mario. So I'm going to have a look at it anyway. You know, I, I see all the stuff I do about Mario and end up buying all the games anyway. But I really do think that with the latest trailer, they've shown that the balance they kind of portrayed in the original showings was not really representative of how this game is going to be. So not only was I happy about some of the beauty of the game and some of the mechanics that were on show i was really pleased that stylistically it has evolved a little bit and the main thing for me it hasn't just completely gone off on one that's what i feared you know taken completely out and it's not really the proper successor to the mario lineage particularly the 3d mario lineage i saw a screenshot on twitter um, a few days ago showing a comparison between um, the characters from the very first Mario Odyssey from E3 last year and this trailer. And there was a major, major difference in the in the 3D models and the textures and the general style. So I think Nintendo's been iterating on this a lot over the over the past several months. Yeah, I'm not surprised. There were a lot of reports saying that like it was basically done. I, I remember when when the Switch came out and they were showing off Mario Odyssey. There were a lot of people that were saying that like, yeah, this game's finished, and they're basically just going to spend the next six months polishing, polishing the game, 
which yeah. is 100% the right way to handle this game. I think I, that makes so much sense to me. Like, just make it as good as it can possibly be. Because there is a potential here for Nintendo to take game of the year with either Zelda or Mario. They have two legit shots at game of the year from a lot of places. That's going to be real good for year one of the Switch, right? It was around for seven months and it gets game of the year, right? Like that's going to be real good for them. So yeah, and I'm, I'm very, I'm very excited. And man, we still got Zelda DLC, uh, Rocket League, um, Stardew Valley, probably. <laughs> no, you still, keep bringing waiting, that up still every waiting. single time. <laughs> still waiting. No more news. Still waiting. I don't understand why you're so excited to be farming and, and you know, cultivating vegetables, Mike. Because this is a game that I've waited for. Like, this game's been around <laughs> for a long time, and it's been on other consoles for a long time, and I decided I would wait for the Switch version. See, how, how do you feel about that, about the delay on the Switch? <laughs> I'm okay, because there are other games for me to play, and I'm just waiting, okay. my, I'm just biding my time. You know, you guys both said very similar things about the Vita. You were happy to wait mm-hmm. for games to come on Vita. Mm-hmm. So it I want to ask yeah. you, yeah, you, you did, did, right? I, I did the same thing, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, ha- I had no choice but to, and it's quite frustrating. Anyway, that changed. The thing I wanted to ask you was, obviously the Vita didn't really have that much um, going on in the, the big TV department. Um, we'll kind of discount crossplay and all of that and uh, uh, cross-purchase and stuff like that. How much of your time are you spending with your Switches um, docked and playing on a big TV? Not much. Not much, yeah. I very frequently take my Switch out of the dock and sit on the sofa in front of the TV and play it in handheld. I yes. do exactly the same Because way. the sofa is more, is more comfortable anyway. Yeah, but the sofa's in front of the TV. Like, I'm sitting in the same place that I would be right, sitting at right. if I, even if I was playing it in, in TV mode. But I like holding the game stuff in my hands. Like, I like it's comfortable. I like it. But there are times when it is best to play on... Um, like, I prefer Zelda in TV mode, honestly. And I, and I expect that I will play a lot of uh, Mario Odyssey in TV mode as well. And I also play TV mode when I play multiplayer games, obviously, right? But yeah, yeah. A lot yeah. of the time when I'm just playing myself, like handheld mode is is nice. It feels good. Interesting that it is weird, but I like the option, right? That's again, that's, the that's point what makes of it, it right? so great. Yeah. All right, today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Squarespace. Enter the offer code insert coin at checkout, and you'll get ten percent of your first purchase maybe you want to create an online store maybe you want to create a portfolio maybe you want to create a blog doesn't matter what type of website you want to make you can make your next move with squarespace and you are going to be totally happy because they are the only one platform they'll let you do anything there's nothing to install no patches to worry about no upgrades needed everything is done on the web you just build your website in a web browser it's kind of perfect really one of my favorite things about squarespace is all in the one view you can see how your site's going to look on desktop and on mobile because you can just press a little button and it squeezes your website down into this cute little uh, smartphone shape and they put a little outline around it and you can see just how the design that you've been working on is going to look on mobile. So you don't have to pull out another device and look it up. You just get to see it and preview it right there and tweak things as you want and as you wish. All of their templates, they're 
they're ready for all of this stuff. They're all beautifully designed. They're award-winning professional templates that you're going to be able to use to get yourself started. If you want to grab a unique domain name, you can do that with Squarespace. And everything is backed up with their fantastic 24-7 customer support. Their plans start at just $12 a month. You can sign up right now with no credit card required for a free trial just by going to squarespace.com. Then when you decide to get a plan, use the code INSERTCOIN, that's I-N-S-E-R-T-C-O-I-N, or one word, to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for Remaster. I want to thank Squarespace for their continued support of this show. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So iOS 11 came out a couple of days ago, and with it, game AR games and AR apps. And I have been downloading uh, pretty much every AR game and app that I could find or that I was like kind of interested in. Um, I have a bunch more that I still need to spend some time with, but I have a handful of games that I wanted to uh, to to touch on a little bit, just to kind of talk through some of the varied experiences that I've had with AR um, on iOS 11. The first one was the first one that I downloaded, um, so I'm mostly bringing it up because it was my first experience, and that was Thomas and Friends Minis. Uh, <laughs> I'm, what? So Thomas, so- Thomas the Tank Engine. So um, I'm guessing that this character is not popular in Italy. Okay. I know that it's popular elsewhere yeah. because I've seen like the the character and mm-hmm. the memes. Lots of memes. It's just not something that we have. So Thomas is just a, a train with a human face, and uh, it's a TV show. And when I was a kid, it was like a stop motion animation type dealio, and they've since made like animated versions and and all sorts. Um, I actually don't think it was stop motion, but it was like uh, models. They used models, and they would drive the models around the tracks as if everything was alive. And then, yeah. But anyway, uh, I downloaded this because it was just right there, and it's effectively a, a an app where you make model railways. Um, and it's pretty well made, actually. I I was quite surprised at just how well everything worked. But you make the model railways, then you can place them in the real world with AR and uh, you can watch the trains drive around the tracks and you can like, you know, you can move your device, you can go inspect them and you can go through tunnels yourself and stuff like that. Like it's a way to to build a toy railroad and then see it in action as you would like to if you had a toy railroad. Uh, It was quite a nice game in that it showed off some of the cool stuff that you can do with AR in the idea of like how AR can replace toys because Mm. I'm building with an infinite set of bricks, right? Like I can build anything that, you know, there you can unlock things with money or you can unlock things through playing that kind of thing. It's, It's actually, as far as IAP goes, it's, it's pretty good, especially because it's a kid's game. So it should be, Um, and I'm able to build these train sets and I haven't got to actually have any physical blocks and then I can place them in the world and I can watch the trains go around and I can stop and I can move things and I can see how, you know, can I make them make this jump or will they go around in a loop if I press, you know, it's just like a fun toy box game. Um, and I, I thought it was a really good demonstration of how AR can create these types of experiences like this is what it's for it's to put something in the real world that isn't real uh and uh, I, I was quite impressed with that 
Before we go any further, mm -hmm. I want to ask you, Mike, um, what is your general take on this AR first wave of AR kit games and apps? Uh, they're mostly demos. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah, I think that everything that we're seeing so far, um, I've either seen it somewhere else, whether uh -huh. it's a VR game or or an idea of a VR game, or it's things that I could have imagined existing. Uh, and I think that's perfectly fine because what needs to happen first is there needs to be genuine interest from people. Yeah. If there, are, if there is genuine interest from consumers, we will start to see more and more interesting things. But I have played some genuinely excellent, excellent AR games over the last couple of days. So yeah. considering where this is now... I think it has a bright future as long as people care about it enough. And so the proof is in um, the pudding. Yeah. My my general feeling is that I've had the most fun with um, the games where you could feel the sense of depth and you mm -hmm. could feel like the sense of presence of moving through a projection of a space. Um, the stuff where you, you put stuff on a table and you can zoom in and out, that hasn't impressed me yeah. as much as the stuff where like where there's a portal and you need to move around it or you need to step into it. That has sort of impressed me. Uh, yeah, I mostly I agree. Like I mostly agree. Where you take a game world and put the game world on a table, they're not yeah. so it's not so It's not so interesting. I like when you can mix the two. So, like, uh, there is a game that I play called AR Basketball, where mm -hmm. you put a basketball yeah. hoop in the real world and throw basketball balls into the hoop, right? I like that because you are taking an element and bringing it into the real world. But there is, there's the game. What is the name of the game that Apple demoed? There was one, um, like a tower defense game Yeah, that was yeah. demoed. I, I played yeah. it, didn't like it. Because all I was doing yeah. was taking a game world and just putting it on my kitchen table. Like, it doesn't... And you're zooming in and out, basically. It's like you're just playing an isometric game mm -hmm. and you're zooming in and out with your head instead yeah. of with an analog stick. And I was surprised about that because that was most of the demos and they looked amazing. But it turned out that when I was playing them, The Machines is the name of the game. Uh, but yeah, yeah when, when I was playing them, I was like, hmm... I don't know. This isn't what she wasn't working for me. What What do you think, Shahid? So you've played some too, right? Like, there's still more that I want to talk yeah. about. But like, what is yeah. your overall feeling on what you've seen so far? It It's understandable what we've got at the moment. The cool stuff is happening in the demo space. People messing around with AR kit and getting really interesting results. And that's not necessarily games, but it shows the potential of how different AR can be to our traditional experiences. Mm -hmm. What doesn't work is when people are unimaginative and don't think about the user. So, for example, when you talk about the tabletop, well, there are many types of tabletop, and I don't mean the wood finish or whatever. I mean that sometimes the table is surrounded on all three sides. You can't navigate around it. Sometimes there are objects on the table, and then you have these AR objects that clip them yep. lazily. My kitchen table is, well, my dining table is round, and it doesn't work yeah. for any of these games because they're expecting a yeah. square table. And, you, you know, the illusion is massively diminished when you do that. And so I, I found that in a few cases. The, the other thing is, 
you know, particularly with the machines, I think I said this at the time, is that it was really trying to be a VR game. It hadn't really considered the user. All it's done is taken, you know, the amount of work that goes into designing a proper camera system in a video game, especially a 3D game, is it's pretty important um, how much you, you work on the camera. And it does take some time. So imagine you say, OK, well, you know what? Forget about all that. We'll just make the player the camera. Um, because that's effectively all you're doing. You're picking up your iPhone and you are now the cameraman. Well, mm -hmm. I, you don't want to be the cameraman or the camerawoman. You want to be the person playing the game. And I, I just think that's it's natural that people do that because it's kind of like a cool gimmick. Oh, look, I can control the camera. But, you know, uh, games like God of War showed just what was possible when you didn't have to think about the camera for even a second. And it just always worked. And since then, very few people have got it really right. But we live with it, you know, camera on the right stick, a little bit of adjustment, and you're absolutely fine. But now, with the early AR stuff, it's walk all the way around the table, move the thing in and out, bend over, bend back. You know, it's like one of those uh, Kinect fitness games at times. And I don't think that's what AR is about. I think where, where AR is going to be really powerful is with very little movement that gives you much more expression, much more of an aha or wow moment than you were expecting. So earlier on, Federico talked about portals. That's the kind of stuff that I absolutely love because yeah. it's really unexpected and you don't have to hold your phone in any other way than the way that Apple iPhone customers are used to holding it. You know, you have, I don't know, hundreds of millions of people around the world in a daze walking around city streets with their iPhones in front of their faces. Well, if that's all you need to do and then suddenly a portal pops up and it's a window to a new dimension and then you go into it and then you step out of it again that's really beautiful and surprising and you're not asking the player to do anything they don't ordinarily do that's the key thing and that's why vr has taken longer to become really big it's one of the many reasons of course but because you're asking players to do something different and you have to overcome people's resistance to do that i mean i was playing this game um, earlier today, uh, what was it? I think it was Flatpak on um, on the iPhone. Mm -hmm. And the right-hand side of the cube on which the character was at was embedded in my monitor because it found some space. So I couldn't look around it and see what I was supposed to do. And then I basically just lost the character and couldn't work out how to bring it back. And these are early problems i i'm not having a go at the developers here i think it's it's interesting and there's a lot of learning still to be done so stuff like wobble that needs to be improved you know you've got this weird ar wobble if you don't hold the camera in the right position or it loses tracking for a fraction of a second whatever you see that so it'll be good when that goes just the clipping of objects into real world objects or when you're analyzing the space with AR kit, that you take into account the obstacles. And here's the other thing. Sometimes things are going to change. Like, let's say you're playing on a table for a change, and you've got somebody else come along, puts a glass right in the middle of your game world unintentionally. So you're going to have to handle interruptions in real time as well. So I don't think that kind of... This is another reason why uh, shared social space stuff is going to be quite hard to handle indoors and outdoors. But people will work out ways of addressing that. And when they do that, all of this stuff is going to feel much more, much more real, even in AR as opposed to VR. 
the other thing people's just got to be careful about not translating a VR experience into AR because that really doesn't work. I played a game that's kind of like that that I liked, which was uh, Zombie Gunship Revenant. Mm. And what I liked about this game is, so you are you are in a helicopter that has a gun attached to it. And you are shooting zombies and robots. And it's in a kind of infrared view. But it's not taking a game world and squeezing it into a box and putting it on the table. The game world is wherever I point my phone. So I can look behind me. I can look around. I can like stand up and crouch down to get closer if I want to shoot with more precision. And I like this game because it wasn't too restrictive on me. Like, in that, like, oh, you've got to walk around this little box. It was just, like, wherever you were, it was fine. Like, it didn't matter. Like, it it really didn't seem like it did a lot of the scene detection stuff. It was just using the AR stuff to just project the world wherever I was looking. So it was way easier to jump into this game. Like, I didn't have to set up this big cube first. But it felt to me like um, this is how you would make this game. It would look like this if it was on PSVR as well. But I... Mm. this is just a really well polished it's it's uh, i think of the all the games that i've played it felt like the most polished um and this is from a developer called limbic software who have had some really popular um shooter games on ios like uh, it the zombie gunship game is part of a franchise of zombie gunship games that they have um, so they are a developer that knows how to make these games and they took what they know and they turned it into an AR game and it felt like one of the most professional that I've played so far. So like, I mostly agree with what you're saying, like don't take a VR experience and I don't think they did that, but I think they made exp- an experience that would also work really well in VR and I feel like it might be easier to go the other way, like AR to VR than VR to AR. Right, like it, but it depends on the kind of the world that you're looking to build. But yeah, I was really, I was really impressed with this one. Um, if you are looking for a shooter game, this is one that I do, I do recommend because it's it's nicely done and it takes a good advantage. It takes a good advantage of what's available um, to the developers. So I like this one a lot. Yeah, it was a good point you made about taking AR into VR. Uh, that's that's the kind of thing that I've been exploring with the game I've been working on mm-hmm. um, using things like uh, HUDs that are actually in the game world and other developers do that too. Going the other way, as you say, is is much harder. I mean, I, I don't mean taking the same experience back to AR because of course it is an AR experience. I'm talking about taking a VR experience that is basically you in a world and trying to translate that into AR. It, it, it doesn't work. And I think a few developers will do that. They'll realize that the market doesn't like that and then they'll they'll find their balance. One of my favorite moments, um, as I was trying a bunch of uh, AR kit games, I was playing uh, Splitter Critters, which is this uh, iPhone and iPad game. It's been around for a while. You won an Apple Design Award uh, in June. Um, and they added this AR kit mode that allows you to play these levels uh, on a table. So that was mostly unsurprising. You basically find uh, a flat surface and you tap the screen and you put down this cardboard box and there's a level inside and so that was that was mostly unsurprising but that was still nice you can you can you know you can pan around with the camera you can see more of the levels and you can sort of get into the game like inside the cardboard box 
but my favorite moment was when you complete a level and the little creature yeah. uh, goes into a spaceship and the spaceship flies out of the box and basically into your kitchen or you know into your living room or whatever and that surprised me because i, I like it was a, it was a moment that i was not expecting and it's sort of the, the way that it blended seems seamlessly with the camera and with my surroundings i i was really surprised by that and i thought you know um as soon as apple you know maybe a couple of years from now when they when they have ar glasses all of this stuff is going to feel so much more natural because i don't have to look through to look at the experience through my phone by holding an object so i have even this tiny barrier between myself and the game but the game is around me and so i'm really excited about the idea of apple is getting started with with ar now and we have this you know in in a couple of years all of this will will feel hopefully you know primitive we're holding a phone in front of our faces to look at these ar experiences but even you know that tiny spaceship flying through my kitchen suggested to me this is going to be awesome as soon as i have my normal glasses and i can see this stuff flying around my 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 room it was a very nice effect i lost it when that happened in that game when the first yeah. time the spaceship flies out and then like i was like oh where did it go and then the second time that i completed the level i followed it and i could watch it fly up behind me and out the window basically yeah. is how it looked it was really yeah. cute i, I like that a lot I think one of the best experiences I've had so far are those of a game called Paint Space AR. Um, it's very similar, I think, to there's a Vive game, right, where you are painting in the in the in the world using the the controllers. I don't remember the name of that game actually. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's actually just called a similar kind of name anyway. Uh, what I like about this game a lot is that you're able to draw in a kind of in the real world and then move around and through the drawings. So like you can draw a spiral or whatever, and then you can draw a line that goes through the spiral by just like holding your finger on the screen and walking through it physically in the real world. Very, very, very impressive. Like you can draw things and then peek through them. You know, so you can like, you know, one thing I was doing was like, putting my finger on the middle of the screen of my phone and moving forward whilst like making a corkscrew motion with my phone and it would draw like a corkscrew that goes through into 3D space and then I can walk backwards and forwards through this artwork. Um, I was really impressed with this. Like I, I thought that it was really well done. There were a lot of different brushes. One thing I've really noticed in a lot of AR games and in our AR kit games, and I don't know why this seems to be the case, but most of them seem to be free to download with some kind of in-app purchase to unlock more stuff. Like, the vast majority of games that I played that had a payment mechanic, that was it. And that seemed really interesting. So, like, this one, uh, Dino's AR, which is, you just put dinosaurs in the world. I love that one, though. It's a fun one to show people. Uh, you can just be out in the street and put a T-Rex in the street. Um, that one is like you get a couple of dinosaurs and then you pay more to get even more dinosaurs. And it's like, this works for me. Like there's like, you get a taste for it because it seems like people have realized, which is the smart move. People don't know what AR games are. They don't know what they are. You can't like give people an AR game, be like, pay us $5 for this game to see this experience. Like you need to give people a taste of the experience and then maybe they'll give you some money if they enjoy it. 
And that's what I've been like with a few of these games. There have been some that I've paid for, like just paid up front for because that's what they were, but I've really liked the ones where I could try it out and then pay a little bit more money to unlock more of the game. Yeah, I've been really, really impressed uh, with some of this stuff so far. Um, and just as like a, you know, tech demos or small experiences, the level of quality that I have seen in some of these makes me very excited for what could be coming and how it could get even better with with other iPhone hardware. Um, yeah, I'm really, really intrigued to see how this progresses. <laughs> 